Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Bo and Johnny back together. What's it been, Yay. dude? It's been a few weeks. It's been it's a, been a bit, weeks, yeah. You and I missed this. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, right. I was on vacation, so I appreciate you uh, uh, getting it done without me here for a couple of weeks, but it's good to be back. And um, what, what a time to be back as I wade right into the spring game. Um, I've said this before on various platforms that for me, uh, Johnny, the spring game at Ohio State for Columbus is is a is one of the big deals for Columbus. Not necessarily because of what goes on on the field, but True. rather because I feel like it's the official start of spring in Columbus. Like most of them, it seems like are bluebird great days. There's been some bad ones from time to time, certainly because it is remains Ohio. Um, but most of them are good days, and and usually by the time you get to the spring game. This is the official welcoming of spring. Uh, we're, we're not going to have any snow anymore. Like, that's kind of the way that it is. Spring, as traditionally determined as the start of spring, the third week of March, that doesn't work in Ohio. You know, we're still <laughs> going to get snow. So usually right. by the time the spring game comes around, second week of April, okay, spring is here. And it's kind of like, let's go sit at a, at a great porch, a place, a cathedral that we adore, and watch some guys in scarlet and gray running around. And um, and beyond that, there's not much football to it. Most of the good football has already been done by the time we get to the spring game. But for me, that's what it means for me. What's a spring game mean for you? I just, you know, it, it, it feels like it is the demarcation line between last season and the next season to me yeah. like that, that when you see the new faces on the team go out on the field, even when they're not actually playing football, which they're not, and they're not actually hitting each other, and it's not actual live play. It just feels like this is the new team now. This is the new model of car that comes out. This is the new brand that you, you know, you're. it's the meatless burger that you're buying from Burger King. It's it's the new thing that you see, and that's what's exciting about it, is that it's not, you know, it's not an actual game, but it is fun to watch because there's so many possibilities. And I've said this like a thousand times before. I also love the fact that it's so egalitarian that people who would never be able to take their families to Ohio Stadium yes. and watch, you know, the Ohio State football team play, they now get a chance to do that for, you know, five bucks. And I love that. I think that's great. So I love everything about the spring game, even though it's fake. It doesn't mean anything, uh, at least, you know, in terms of actual, you know, football. But um, it means a lot culturally and it's a lot of fun. And I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, it's um it yeah, on the field there's Urban did just such a tremendous job on the field of trying he he cared more for the spring game product than Jim Tressel ever did. Tress yeah. didn't care about the right. spring game. He if you wanted him in combat, he'd be in combat. You wanted him to be in a luau shirt because it was Hawaiian day, fine. It'll be in that. <laughs> like but he didn't care about putting on a, a a show or anything. Like you never knew what the score was, you didn't know what was going on. It was just Two teams kind of two two offense and defense just kind of playing and running around. Um, but Urban with he did the drag races with the players. He's done the throw contest, the kick contests, um, all of that little stuff, and then a true scoring system, offense, defense. It it at least adds something to it. Um, yeah. I don't know how Ryan Day is going to do it. I, I think that's we'll get to the big story of spring, which is very obvious. But the the secondary story of spring is this is our first chance really to see what a Ryan day program looks like for the, for the populace, right? Like he's had a right. lot of open practice for us in the media um, that you can go to. And he's opened up a lot of it. There's been a lot of availability, but in terms of the fan base, the first time to actually see this team and to see a Ryan day program will be Saturday. 
I think, you know what? I think he's got to go the Holtman route. I think you've got to go full bore on this and make it as exciting and fun and yeah. different and interesting for the people who are going to be there. And then, of course, they're going to sell out. All the seats that are available are going to be filled up. That's fine. But you want to kind of make your impact. And this is one of those ways that you do it. It, it's, it's a, it is a publicity opportunity for Ryan Day to you know, to show that he's the guy in charge now. And I, when I was first student teaching, uh, the first thing that my cooperating teacher told me to do was to rearrange all the chairs in the room. I was like, why? Like, I don't, they're fine. And there's like, you don't get it. Like when you walk into the room and it's your room, even small little aesthetic things make a difference because it shows that that's, you're the guy in charge. And so I want to see what he does. If he continues to do some of the stuff that Meyer did, where, you know, you line up the, the kicker and just keep having him back up five yards to see what he can make. That's awesome. But add something yeah. of your own as well. I, I hope there are some surprises. I hope there are some things that people don't expect because that's what makes the, the spring game fun. You know, that's especially for people who don't get to go out to the stadium. Like you want to see that when you're watching it on BTN or whatever. Um, you want to see some stuff that you don't expect. So I hope he puts his own stamp on it because, you know, I see some of the things that they do on these other spring games and they feel like they're starting to become these crazy, you know, almost mid-season events in them themselves. So I, I want to see Ohio State lean into that a little bit. Well, the, one of the things that's been really cool, and I saw it at Penn State, I saw it at uh, South Carolina last week, was the scholarship awarding. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a really cool thing. Yeah, and so there's some of that that these teams are doing to kind of juice these up a little bit and give you a little more give a damn level. Um, you mentioned, you know, putting his stamp on the program. Do you think Urban Meyer will make an appearance Saturday? Oh man, I don't know. That I I kind of hope not. Actually, I kind of like I don't mind if he comes during the season or something like that. But I actually hope that this is this is a Ryan Day show and Urban Meyer doesn't kind of show up to to upstage him a little bit i i you know again if urban minds come during the season i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think they'd be great come out you know get to be out there during commercial break wave around everybody loses their minds that's awesome but let this be ryan day's kind of introduction to ohio state fans i think that would be appropriate and and for urban meyer to kind of be on the sidelines roaming around i I just i think that would take away from it a little bit so i agree he might i don't think i hope he doesn't i know i'm with you i don't think he should be there i don't think he will be there I think if you're Ryan, you wouldn't want him there. Yeah. Um, I think like this idea of, you know, that this is like some coach and waiting thing. I mean, this this wouldn't have happened without all of the things that happened last year. This would still right. be a Meyer coach team without it. And to act anything else is is silly. So I, I'm with you. I don't I don't think he will be. I don't think he should be. He actually won't be there next year either because he'll be doing the Fox Sports One show. <laughs> so right. in, unless Ohio State plays, you know, on a Thursday, Friday or Monday, which I can't imagine him doing. Um, that's that's not going to be in play because he's going to spend yeah. Saturdays in Los Angeles. So you know he, he you won't see him next year. Um, what you will see a lot of, and frankly, the only thing anybody is going to be dialed in to see will be Justin Fields. You and I were have been doing this podcast for a couple of years now, and we did in the the JT Barrett referendum season, uh, going into his senior year. Like that's all that was going to be. The, the you, you were going to look at that year as the JT Barrett year, and it was going to his whole career on one year, whatever accomplished was going to be a microcosm for his career. And it kind of was a microcosm, you know, his final year at Ohio State. And I feel the same about this spring game. I feel the same about, uh, you know, next fall and all of that. But that we'll get to that once we, you know, once we get into that, this will be about Justin Fields. This is the first time this is a kid who was sought out, recruited accepted scholarship, went to campus, jettisoned previous five-star quarterback uh, as quickly as possible, 
all in one fell swoop in about two weeks' time. Um, and yeah. and from what I'm hearing, I, I think I think Justin Fields, I think it's critical that Ohio State fans understand what Justin Fields is, understand that this is not a continuation of Dwayne Haskins, understand that what you saw last year in Dwayne Haskins was a comet that it's not something that is going to be duplicable with Justin Fields. He's a very different quarterback. Um, and to try to remember to judge him as a freshman, which is what he is. He's yep. a freshman, right? Yeah. Like, let him live a little bit. And let him, next fall, you want to judge him in November, fine. But this, as talented as he is, this will. This is a work in progress with him and Ryan and the way that this goes. There's All eyes will be on him. Saturday, yeah, every single two, eye. Two things, two things I want to say about Justin Fields. First of all, you're dead on. The dude is not Dwayne Haskins in terms of athleticism, the way he plays the quarterback position. He's just he's a different guy. He just plays it differently. And, you know, people who will say like, oh, OK, he's a Ryan Day quarterback. So he's just going to go and throw for five thousand yards. That's not going to happen. He's <laughs> He's got a completely different you know approach to the game. And that's that's not a bad thing. He's, he's just a different athlete. I think people may be surprised by that a little bit because they'll they'll see a guy and think, all right, well, we've got another, you know, Ryan Day quarterback, we got another quarterback coming in high stake and a throw for a right. trillion yards. Not necessarily. The other thing that I want to say is that people, I think, will retroactively have a little bit more respect for Dwayne Haskins in terms of what he was able to accomplish. It's yeah. really, really hard to overstate how polished a passer Dwayne Haskins is and displayed at Ohio State. And when you see Justin Fields maybe overshoot a guy by 50 yards or, you know, throw over their heads by 20, again, you're going to get that because the guy is so young and he's, he's, he's talented, but he's raw. And, you know, maybe those, those uh, you know, 10 to 15-yard passes that Dwayne Haskins completed 98% of or whatever the hell the number was, you know, I think people start to appreciate those a little bit more because those aren't gimmies. And Dwayne Haskins made it look like that, but that's just because he's an incredible quarterback. And, you yeah, know, again, you're th- right. that doesn't mean Justin Fields is going to be bad or not live up to expectations. It just means that he's a different quarterback, and I think people will understand that. I think the um, from what from what I'm hearing from people I trust is that Justin Fields is more in the Braxton Miller mold yes, than he is anything else, that he's right. an electric runner. That when he decides to run, he's electric. That he's obviously he's a lot bigger than Braxton, but that in terms of height wise, but he, so he's bigger than Braxton. I do, I would I tend I I'm nervous even throwing Braxton out there because Braxton's the most electric football player I've ever seen at Ohio State. So I I don't want you to think that he's going to be able to do the stuff that Braxton did, running four one in the spin and keep going and two people miss and all that. Like <laughs> yeah. I I don't know that he's going to do all that, but he's a much faster runner than J T Barrett. Um, he has a stronger arm than JT Barrett, but he's a like Braxton can be a little bit erratic at this point. Yeah. And that's the reason he came here because of what Ryan day has done. And by the time he's done here in three years, hopefully he is somebody who can, who can spin it the way Dwayne can and, and the accuracy develops and Ryan day turns him into an NFL quarterback. That's why he's here. Uh, is for the Dwayne Haskins treatment is to be a first to be groomed to be a first round pick and Ryan he felt was the best guy to do it in all of college football but he is a he is a hunk of clay he doesn't have you know three years like Dwayne did before he played on campus that's not what we have here so um, <clears throat> I just think ju- act accordingly if you're a Buckeye fan like try to remember that try to remember that most mortal programs don't go Braxton Miller J T Barrett Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> 
Like it doesn't happen. Remember some of the hiccups of the previous generations at quarterback and some of the starting quarterbacks we've had here. It's it's a hard position. The kid is uber talented. You're going to get a glimpse of him on Saturday, but have try to have a little bit of patience with him in the growing process. Um, yeah. The other thing that I would say about this, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine who's a big-time Notre Dame fan, and he was asking me about Ohio State spring practice and how's it going and what's the deal with fields and all this. And I said, I go, yeah, pretty good. He goes, now who's going to be the backup? And I said, Matt Baldwin. I said, you know, I, I don't know if he'll have a chance to play much or whatever. And he goes, and I go, do you, are you, do you, do you know that name at all? And he goes, <laughs> he's a smart guy. He follows recruiting. He goes, he goes, yeah, a high four-star kid that would start at a hundred other schools. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's the backup. That's, <laughs> that's what we do. Like we, we treat Matt Baldwin. Like it's like the kid can play like Baldwin yeah. can play too. And yeah, probably I'm not be worried. Like Tate Martell. That's the thing. Frankly. Like it, it's one thing we as Ohio State fans, are so ridiculously spoiled. And I have a, look, I have a pretty bad memory for certain things, but I've got a pretty good memory for other things that like, you know, have an impact on my life and watching yeah. Joe Balsherman throw the football has, a, has created a scar on my soul that I don't think I'm yeah. ever really going to fully heal from. So right. my point is, is that Matthew Baldwin will come like, let's say, okay, Justin Fields, God forbid he gets hurt, but let's say he goes down and, and Baldwin has to step in. I am still a thousand times more confident in Baldwin's ability, having seen him do nothing, okay, than I would have been if uh, Joe Bowserman would step in in the same position. And, and that is that is the difference in recruiting and coaching that you have seen in the past, you know, several years under Urban Meyer and including Ryan Day, with, who com comes in there and obviously with a huge pedigree and does great things with uh, Dwayne Haskins. So, yeah, the situation is different. And we are very lucky to have the current situation that we do because it's uh, it's it's miles what it was, you know, in 2011, 2012. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> nobody does this. So, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, that's crazy where the program was and where it is. So yeah, um, everything else you see in the spring game, Kate, take with a grain of salt. Everybody tells me Zach Harrison looks unbelievable. Yep. Um, there are other names here and there that flash, but at the nothing really means much in this spring game there will i guarantee you there will be a receiver that catches nine balls for 192 yards you'll never hear from him again it happens right. every spring game there's some random kid that does this and then you never hear from him again like our guy yeah, Demario the, McCall, the race he's gonna memorial have, award right i mean that, that's, that's what right. it is demario mccall's gonna have a great he's gonna have three plays <laughs> yeah. where he flashes yes. and then he'll never play again the rest you know we'll never see him again so these things happen um uh, in the spring games to try to temper your expectations and act accordingly a little bit about that. We spent some time comparing fields to Haskins and Haskins is, is another thing that's been in the news a lot uh, for the last couple of weeks. And in the last week, specifically, including today, I read in this in Peter Morn Peter King's Monday morning. Uh, oh no, it's now it's got football morning in America on NBC sports, but King's one of the great NFL writers. And he wrote in his column today, it was like his draft column. And he wrote about Dwayne Haskins and was among the guys he mentioned. And what he mentioned with Haskins was he's hearing universally across the NFL that Haskins stock is free falling. Yeah. I was at the combine in Indianapolis. And yeah. while there was an incredible difference in opinion of Haskins, uh, for example, like Brady Quinn and um, who else did I, there was two, three of the guys who called, I interviewed three, Joel Klatt, Quinn, and one more. There were three guys I interviewed, uh, might've been Chris Sims, who either did Dwayne's games or saw him play a lot, who graded him as without question, the best quarterback in this draft. 
Right. And then there's a guy like Greg Cosell, who I respect a lot on film study, who said Dwayne to him was a second or third rounder based on what he had seen at that point, that he didn't see it. Um, and there's a vast, uh, so there's a big canyon of difference on the opinion in Haskins. But one thing that I do not believe is all of the smoke that is coming out now about Haskins free falling in the draft, because it just does not add up to me. If anything, it's something that might be being conjured up so that he falls to 13, 14, 15 in the lap of a team that needs a quarterback right. and is using the media to try to create that because it can't be anything that Dwayne has done. He was great in Indy. He was great at the Ohio state pro day. I can't imagine he hasn't crushed all the interviews, all the whiteboards, all of that. Um, so the idea that he's falling makes no sense to me. I think it's very easy for the media to write about it, uh, the, the <laughs> national media, especially the NFL guys, because they didn't watch Dwayne Haskins play much, and it's something we've talked a lot about this. He had the quietest 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown season in the history of college football. He didn't right. do it at Texas Tech or Washington State. He did it at Ohio State, and it was almost like nobody noticed. It's not his fault that nobody noticed, of course. We know nobody noticed because we had the cloud of Zach Smith and Urban Meyer over the entire season. And then even at the end of the season, remember, I was just reminded of this this morning by Lauren Itis on our show. He goes, he goes, dude, do you remember that the urban stress cam? And I go, my God, I forgot <laughs> about that. How they had cameras. They should have had like on. a meter next to it. Just to like, you remember show that? How, I had forgotten like, that. Johnny. His, you know, his brain. Was how getting... Every single cutaway, like in the Maryland yeah. game was urban and every Michigan cutaway was urban. Like he was every time he put his hand on his head. If you drank, you'd be drunk halfway through the first quarter. And then he retires. So the greatest coach in college football other than Saban in the last 25 years retires on you. And no wonder nobody noticed what Haskins did. So I think it's easy for people to write that he's free falling because frankly, they're unaware of what he did. It's not. So here's the thing. Not only is it easy, I also think it's advantageous. I mean, when you, you can only put out so many mock drafts, right? And we have seen quarterbacks fall in the draft before. It's it's a juicy story, and that you do the same thing with the quarterback as the draft is going on, as you do with Urban Meyer during the game. You you put the camera on them, and you watch their faces just you know get more and more pale as they get passed up by more and more teams. I you know it's it's a narrative. I understand why they're pushing it because that's that's one of the storylines that they can go into. And like you know, where's Dwayne going to go? Is he going to follow the second round? I, I again, I agree with you. I think it's a smokescreen. I don't think it's real. I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing is what you said earlier, where it's like Dwayne has done nothing to hurt his stock. Like, that, right. if you believe that he was a top 10 pick three months ago, he has done nothing to dispel you of that, you know, no. that belief. Because he's he is who he is. And again, am I saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time? No, he's not going to be the first pick in the NFL draft. But he is, I think, a bona fide top half of the first round quarterback and you know a team would be foolish to pass him up if that was an area of need and I, I don't think they will I you know I, I think a lot of this is just teams trying to play chicken with each other you know I don't really like the guy you know he's, he's just not really fast in the pocket he yeah can't really pressure blah blah you know that's that's a lot of you know just I think just bs that they're kind of throwing out there uh to kind of disguise what they're going to be trying to do because there are teams uh especially like you know you look at basically pick 10 through maybe like 16 17 there are several teams that would love to have Dwayne Haskins as a no, you look at Miami you look at the Redskins I yeah. mean I think a lot of people hope he gets through the Giants at seven which maybe he right. will um and you know and and, that, and then they'll get their shot at him you know could the Bengals have an interest to eventually replace Dalton maybe I yeah. don't know um so I think that there's a lot of 
there's a lot of possibility there where um where he could go and i i just don't believe i mean i just saw how people talk no i just saw the way people talked about him in indy and and it was i mean a lot of people loved him so like the this idea that he's going to free fall it just doesn't it does not add up to me and in the end it's just this it he accomplished something that i did not think possible and that was i always felt like if you played basketball or football at ohio state and if you set records the world would take notice (laughs) and the fact that an ohio state quarterback did it and nobody noticed is the most stunning thing of all time it's really crazy it's really crazy that nobody realized what he did well and it's it's because of the coach i mean again it's it's not uh, i'm not blaming urban meyer for this necessarily but it's when you've got this rock star quote coach that kind of overshadows the program in a lot of ways I think that really was the the ultimate indicator of that, that it's, it's, you know, people care about Urban Meyer more than they cared about Ohio State in a lot of ways. Uh, when it yes, came to it was, a big, it was the bigger story. Yeah, it was a bigger story. And, and honestly, like to the wider, you know, football, college football world at large, it's not about Ohio State being successful. It's not about Ohio State winning these games. It's about is Urban Meyer winning these games? Is Urban Meyer catching up with Nick Saban? Is Urban Meyer going to win another national championship? And that's that's what you get when you get a rock star coach. That's that's kind of the things that you have to deal with. But I will tell you that if this was a situation where Jim Trestle had a quarterback that was throwing for a gajillion yards and all this, you're talking about the quarterback. You're not talking about the coach. And, you know, yeah. that's that's kind of the give and take that you have. But on the other hand, there's a very good chance that if Jim Trestle's the coach, you don't have a quarterback that throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Oh, God, no. no. So that's no. – and that's what I'm saying. So that's the, yeah, that's the good give and take that you have to kind of deal with. Yeah, I think the um, they're, they're the one thing in, in college sports especially, because the rock stars are the coaches, right. is is the whole emperor has no clothes thing is – is really the most interesting thing in college sports. Yeah. Like the fall of Rome is as interesting as it can get. And that's what we had this year with urban was the fall of Rome. And so that that's what this all year. I mean, I I've been in a thousand TV production meetings and I can just imagine those pitch meetings when it comes time, you know, on a Thursday or Friday to talk about the production of the Ohio state Maryland game and the production staff goes, well, okay, who are we, what's the most interesting thing in this game? And the production and the production people goes, listen, I want to know what's going on with urban. Right. That's it. That's yeah. it. And that was what was in every production meeting in the beginning because of the Smith stuff. And at the end, because of the stress and the eventual retirement and nobody said, Oh, this kid throws for 470 yards a game and five touchdowns every game. Right. Nobody paid attention. Nobody paid attention. But he was the best quarterback in college football in the fourth quarter period. Nobody paid attention. It's crazy. I'm excited. I'm I am excited for the NFL draft, not just because the other guys are going to get drafted, but I want to see this validation of Dwayne Haskins. I want people to stand up and really when they when they show that highlight reel, when he gets selected as a top 10 pick, which I think you will, um, when they show that. I want people to really kind of recognize what Ohio state had. And, and, you know, I, I take this back to the spring game when you see Justin Fields kind of air a couple of balls, Ohio state fans are like, man, why, why can't he be more like Dwayne? And, and I, yeah. you know, we, we talk about this all the time, but he just deserves more than what he got. And uh, you know, this is going to be his, his moment to shine a little bit. And I, I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. I think he'll get into a pretty decent situation. At least I hope he gets into a decent situation and uh, you know, is able to kind of, showcase the skills yep yeah I, I i think we will have nothing i think i know this ohio state fans appreciate him know what he did and he'll always hold a special part 
uh, of their heart for the way he, what he did, because without him, I don't know what that season is. I mean, I really don't. Yeah, no, I don't know either. Sure as hell isn't a, another win over Michigan in a Big Ten championship. I know that. Um, speaking of Urban, uh, Wright Thompson, who who is probably my favorite uh, modern sports writer, um, and he's much more than a sports writer. That's calling you know Bill Shakespeare a playwright. It's a, it goes a lot more <laughs> than that. He's spectacular, and um, also like one of the most interesting guys. Just the way that he lives his life, what he finds interesting. Um, so he has a new book out, and I heard him on Cleveland radio this morning on 92.3 up there on the Ken Carmen show in the morning and Thompson's being interviewed and he has a chapter in his new book about urban. And I haven't read the book yet. And I haven't read the chapter. I haven't even seen an excerpt. In fact, I didn't even know that there was something on urban in the book until Carmen asked him the question this morning about urban and Thompson in the way that he can tell a story says that he was with urban his first day at Ohio state. And the backdrop of that day is that urban Meyer had written a contract that he was going to be more subdued, that he was going to be, um, you know, more relaxed and all of these things. And he says in the first team meeting, um, he's laying out to the players what's expected of them. And he tells a story that there's an offensive lineman. He doesn't remember his name, who was awarded some uh, an ac- was rewarded academic excellence. And one of the s- defensive backs, he thought it was a defensive back. Snick was snickered and giggling at him. <laughs> and he said that Urban Meyer completely lost his shit completely and started <laughs> screaming he said he was the way he was telling the story was so fascinating that urban's tie was completely askew and awesome. he just said you freaking gib not freaking you mother freaking gigglers you you gigglers you mother freaking gigglers freaking you know and that he just came completely unhinged and it speaks to the oh, so then then the follow-up question to that is uh from ken was do you think he'll coach again and without missing a beat, right? Thompson goes, Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which is what I've said from jump street that, that everything that at 54 years of age, he'll be 55 by the time next season starts. He's a young man. He is a football coach. That's what he is. And he's a football coach who builds powerhouses quickly and it doesn't take long. And if a great job comes open, say one in Southern, Southern California. Uh, and it, if, it, if they were to offer him a job, I think he'd take it. And I don't blame him for taking it because it is what it is. And I think it's something that Buckeye fans are going to have to come to grips with a little bit relatively quickly. I'll say all of that. And I'll echo what Don Thompson said this morning on the radio, which was asked, which he quickly added. He said, I don't think he's lying now that his, in, his intention is not to coach. And I agree with that. I think Urban Meyer's best intention is not to coach. I think his best intention is to try to enjoy life and golf and see his grandkids and hang out with buddies and watch football and relax and coach a class and do some leadership. Right. But I think come fall, what he likes most is the process of building a team. And I think he's going to be doing it sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, look, you are who you are. And if that's what you're really great at, which he is, obviously, then he's going to want to continue doing that, especially as a 55 year old man. And I I love that story. That's an incredible story, because first of all, I (laughs) everyone has who has been in kind of a leadership position, especially where they have to kind of, you know, clean some things up and, and tighten some things up, love walking into a situation and just 
praying to God that somebody tests you on the first day. Just yeah. like, I just, like, I love, like, I've done it so many times as a teacher where I'm like, someone please do something stupid. So I can just lose my mind and yeah. establish that I am in charge. We're going to do that's things right. a little bit differently. We're going to be a little that's bit better. Right. And I, you know, for Urban Meyer, I mean, that's manna from heaven. Like you want to do yep. is just going to be like, oh, I'm going to text my phone a little surreptitiously. I'm going to, I want to giggle at something like just Urban Meyer. I'm sure when that happened, just like did a little silent prayer, looked up to the sky and said, thank you, God. That's so great. And then just lost his mind because that's sometimes that's what you got to do. Establish a uh, precedent as a football coach. And um, yeah, man, he's, he's going to be back because that's who he is and he enjoys it too much. And I know there's, there's health issues and things like that, but you know, I think he will find a way to say, I have conquered these issues. I will be fine. And when I find the right situation, I'll be okay. And I don't know whether he will or not. I mean, I don't know how severe his, his, you know, medical stuff is. He's the only guy who can answer that, but I think he will figure out at some point a situation that works for him. And he'll he'll go for it. And whether that's like USC or some other type of school, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think at some point he'll tell himself, like, look, I've got time. I feel good. I enjoy what I do. Like I enjoy being a coach. So let's let's go do it. And you know, I wouldn't begrudge that at all. Like I, you know, that if you're that good at something, I would do it for as long as I possibly could. So it it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I think it you know, he's not just gonna take any job. It needs to be you know, oh, a sure. place like yeah. USC or Texas, it's got to be a place with a, you know, with a history that he can wrap his hands around. And I think climate will matter too. I mean, I think, you know, if you're going to try and talk Shelly into going back into coaching, the least you can do is give her a nice climate. And that's right. You're so going think, to LA. I think those things, to yeah. Yeah. 72 degrees every day. I think you'd be fine with that living in Brentwood. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I thought it was just a funny anecdote and kind of backed up kind of my gut feeling on how this thing's going to go on. Um, all right, still to come, we've got Ask Us Anything. We've got a former Ohio State great in Thrones. And speaking of Thrones, Johnny and I <laughs> uh, will give our kind of feel for how this, how I think this season's going. I'm very curious because you're a book reader first. Yeah, so I'm curious what, how you think this this thing would go and what would be honest to George R. R. Martin, if that's even applicable to this, because I'm not sure that it is. Uh, Before we do that, though, be sure to visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Dry Goods at 11warriors.com. And don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Should we do Ask Us Anything first, then we'll get to Thrones? Yeah, let's do that. that. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. Uh, and then the naysayers who who do not like the greatest you know television event in our <laughs> lifetimes can can no turn question. Off. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Ask us anything. You guys can send us questions. Please send them in to dubcast at eleven warriors or at eleven dubcast on Twitter. This one's from our good friend Alvin. Welcome back, Bo. Is what he says. Um, Thanks, dude. Yeah. What season is more exciting this upcoming fall, Ohio State or the Browns? For the first time, you can ask that question, Alvin, and you can be f- serious. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time in 40 years that that can happen. Uh, the we, last time that the Browns real, would. Just real quick, Bo. We, Ramsey ran something on uh, on the site over the weekend about Baker Mayfield, right? Like forgiving Baker, you know, for planning okay. the flag. Yeah. And Ohio State fans were so not mad and so did not care about that that they commented 200 times on that article and shared it about a thousand times on Facebook. <laughs> so this, he's he's a big deal in the state of Ohio. Whether you love are him or hate him, it's a huge deal. Are they, are they over it or were they cool? You know, I think it was about 50-50. I think some people were were kind of, you know, still pissed about it. I don't know. I don't understand that mentality. Some people were still pissed, though. 
Uh, other people are like, you know what? He's, he's Baker Mayfield. He's doing great things for the Browns. I'm a Browns fan. I'll forgive and forget. So I think it was about 50-50 split. Yeah, he's um, he is so with what I, I host Cleveland Browns daily, as many of you know. And so I a lot of times I do that out of Berea uh, at the Browns facility. And so I've gotten to know Baker a little bit. And um, you would have died if he was a Buckeye. Yeah. I mean, he, he would have died if you would have loved him so much more than you can even wrap your head around. Like he is beloved. It's amazing how he, his ability to be completely comfortable giving a, a guy who's not going to make the roster hell and also giving it to John Dorsey, the general manager, <laughs> like he can do all of it. Like he's one of those people that's comfortable with whoever he's with. Um, I would say to answer Alvin's question, and it's the first time since the late eighties that I think you could say the Browns. Um, but I, I think they're both, I think we're headed for the most intrigue other than Bengals where there's not much there. I can wrap <laughs> my head around. That's exciting. But from the Browns and Buckeyes perspective, when you trot out day and fields on one side of things, like right. that's the reason that this is a conversation. Like the Browns added the most popular player in the NFL on social media to their team. And the fact that it's still in the conversation is just because we have a new head coach and because we have Justin Fields. Like sure. if it was Ryan Day and Tate Martell, I'd say Browns all day. But because it's Fields and Day, it's very close. Um, I don't even know that I could make a pick. Uh, I think they're both pretty – I think they're the two – I'll tell you this. I think Ohio State is one of the five most interesting teams in college football, and the Cleveland Browns are one of the five most interesting teams in the NFL. So yeah. it's that's a good spot. You know, I, I'm really just, as a Bengals fan, just furious that you don't seem to have the same kind of energy and juice it's crazy. for our new They don't do anything. I don't know what it would be like to be a, a Bengals fan. Like, it's, it's terrible. They, like their social media is half-assed. They're, everything is so – I just don't half-assed. know. Like, that's they don't the, do that's anything. the correct phrase. Is yeah, that the half-assed. right phrase? Half-assed. Yeah. yeah. It seems yeah. like it's all just half-measures. It really is. And it, what's great about being a Bengals fan is that, you know, some people – God, I know so many diehard Bengals. Being from Southwestern Ohio, I know some people who just live and die in the Bengals, and I don't understand why. Um, and I've been a Bengals fan since I was a little kid. I listen to the games. I listen to almost every game on the radio or watch almost every game on television, but I just kind of – I have this certain, like, ennui about it, you know, this this really weird malaise that I kind of just – it's just there, you know. It's like a, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like a benign wart that you kind of just mess <laughs> with occasionally on your hand or on your foot. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's there. Um, yeah. but you can't do anything about it. So yeah, Bengals not in this conversation. Um, I actually look as excited. I am to see how Justin Fields does. I, man, I, the, what the Browns have been able to do and the energy that Baker Mayfield was able to inject in that team. It's, 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 it is almost nonsensical. Like I don't, I don't, the Browns that I laugh at, every fall and and i temporarily become a browns fan during the draft every year because just the hilarious moves that they've made in the past just just drive me right i just they delight me to no end but um what he was able to do in essentially half of a season is one of the craziest things that i've ever seen in the nfl and i i don't know how you're even if you're just a casual nfl fan that's that's got to be the the one of the best stories you've ever seen because this is just the most sad sack, awful franchise for yeah. decades. 30 years. And now this guy comes in who seems to be like 
the genuine article. So for me, it's the Browns. And it, look, if the if the Buckeyes go out there and they go ten and two or something like that, and people are like, okay, that was a good season, that's entirely predictable, and I think people want that and they'll be happy about it. But it it won't be as crazy as the Browns going like ten and six, right, and yeah. making the playoffs. Like that would be a way bigger story with yeah, that's you know, right. maybe less implications on title and you know whatever. But uh, for me, it's got to be the Browns and Baker Mayfield because that's nuts. They're the fifth pick to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> they had o- Odo Beckham Jr. Like what the hell? Like come on, man. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's yeah, they're they're freaking nuts. So more power to them. If you're a Browns fan, congratulations. Your patience has paid off somehow inexplicably yeah, it's amazing the wheel of fate has turned in your favor but uh you know i'm, I'm looking forward to watching it you know and, and grumpily from the sidelines as a Bengals fan. So, <laughs> you know anyway all right so our next question this is from swing guard uh he wants to know so this is an interesting question so you know he asked about favorite teams i'm gonna i'm gonna tweak his question a little bit but when is it okay as a fan of a sport to switch your fandom to, in other words, to go to a different allegiance to a team that you might've previously held there. What are the situations that would allow for that? So this is a little foreign to me because of where, and I think it's because I wear where I grew up, which was Montana, which was, there are no teams, right? Right. So there, it wasn't people, a big decision to switch from the Grizzlies to whatever else. No, Montana State. Like, no, I mean, well, that was that was the blood feud because sure. that, that was the one that was. But it's not like I'm not keeping I haven't been keeping an eye on Montana and Montana State the last 20 years. I've covered Florida State and Ohio State. Like, right. you know, I'm, I, I don't even I don't know. I have any idea with I mean, I kind of pay attention to that game, but that's it. But like from a pro perspective, <clears throat> you kind of just pick the good teams when you were young, you know, because yeah. there was no teams around us. <laughs> So here, excuse me, what I noticed here is, of course, because we've all you, everybody's grew up in Ohio, you've always had teams. So if you grew up in Northeast Ohio, you've always had the Indians, the Cavs and the Browns. If you grew up in Cincinnati, you've always had the, the Bengals and the Reds and, right. and then other parts of the state just grab to can kind of pick where they want to go. If you grew up where you did near Dayton, then you could probably went Reds and Bengals. If you grew up, you know, in Youngstown, you could pick between the the Steelers and the and the Browns, and and that was the way that it worked. Columbus got the best of both worlds. NFL, you could really pick between the Steelers, the Bengals, or the Browns. Even the Colts isn't that far if you wanted to. Right. Um, so, you know, you really had the best of all worlds. To answer his question, I think – so I grew up a Bears fan because they were good when I was young. Sure. But, like, I've been in Ohio for 12 years now, and I'm I'm now partially employed or work with the Cleveland Browns. So I don't care what the bears do anymore. You know, right. I'm invested in the Browns um, and I'm invested in the Buckeyes have been for over a decade. So I guess, is it okay to switch teams? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a committee, you know, that says you lose your <laughs> fandom. You know, right. I think that's something. And I, the other thing about it, and I, I deal with it they a lot. Rip with the Browns the patch right now, off your shirt. And... Yeah. Yeah. Like on sons of anarchy, they yeah, right. take the tattoo off your back. But I, <clears throat> I'm seeing this a lot with Browns fans now. They're like, we don't want any bandwagon fans. I'm like, listen, how many bandwagon fans do you think the Dallas Cowboys have? How many bandwagon fans do the New England Patriots have? Right. Right? Yeah. Like, not everybody's from Massachusetts. Not everybody's from Dallas. Like, they were good teams that won, and so you, the bandwagon's going to come with you, man. Embrace it. Yeah, I don't. In, in fact, that's a sign of a good team. Like you, you want you want exactly. guys who are just kind of like, yeah, yes. I've been there since the beginning. Like it's dumb, but who cares? That just means that you're successful. There's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Here's what I would say. You know, as a guy who 
you know, I grew up in Southwestern Ohio and you got the, you got the Bengals and you got the Reds, but I wasn't really into professional basketball, at least NBA until I got a little bit older. And, and most of that was because of LeBron. And so I, you know, yeah. I didn't necessarily become, you know, it, it's weird to say that I would be a fan of the Cavaliers. Cause I certainly didn't really care about 90% of the rest of the team, but yeah, no, I was a fan of LeBron, and so I enjoyed watching all of his games. I love the fact that he was, you know, a hometown kid doing good and all that stuff. Like that's fantastic. Um, but on the other hand, I also wasn't like turning on the the Cavs games when he went to LA. Yeah. Like I'm not. I will tell you, I have not. I have not watched a lot of Cavs games this season because there's yeah. no real incentive sure. to. So you know that that's and, and and that's fine i don't think there's anything wrong with that I, I you know if you have some kind of like deep allegiance for some reason or other you know that's your own personal thing you do whatever you want with that and you know yeah so i i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with it i think whatever reasons you have i think they're legit and it's not you know like you said nobody's coming into your house and, and throwing you in chains because you you know put on a a hat from another team or something like that in public so i yeah. you know switch your allegiances do whatever you want uh, you know it's you know, if you're going to root for a team, you got to be all in on it. You can't like say halfway through the season, you know, yeah, all this is, you do guys that. are doing good. But, but if later on you want to say, okay, well, maybe this other team's for me, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's okay. No, but while no, you're in it, you got to be in it to win it. So, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a weird thing because I just remember a ton of kids, especially growing up in the early 90s, you know, who love the, the Cowboys. And it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're near Cincinnati, man. Like this, it's, it's cause yeah. you like it cause they win. Right. I, there were a yeah. ton of fans. There were a ton of Raptors fans because they liked the logo. Right. When I was yep. a little kid, which is oh, fine. Yeah. We are a little kid. Who cares? You can switch your allegiance when you get older. It's not a big deal. Um, no. so that, no. guys, that's ask us anything. Keep sending those in. Those are good questions. Uh, love hearing them, especially in the off season. Thank you very much. And we'll, we'll keep answering them. All right, now we've entered the Game of Thrones portion of the podcast. <laughs> if you're trying to binge or catch up or you don't care, now's when you can uh, wait till next week, and we'll look forward to having you on next week. If you are right. caught up and you want to hear uh, two people very passionate about it, this is for you. Uh, let's start with Nick Bosa. He is in Thrones. Um, I, my guess is that he will be uh, wildling, that he will be on the screen for a second at some point in an extra and if you're paying close attention you'll see him i don't know if he's got any more juice to do anything more than that what say you sir uh, okay so is it is it joey or nick who's going to be doing the oh i'm I sorry think, joey i'm sorry yeah, I think joey. Joey's did i say nick that. wrong Bosa. Here, yeah, joey Bosa. yeah yeah, yeah so here's what i think here's what i think bo i actually believe that he's going to be i don't know what episode he's going to be in necessarily but i think it would be super kick-ass if he was one of the night's watch and had a giant freaking beard and was just like running like hell away from one of the ice dragons, like, like the ice dragon. Yeah, or that'd be like good. That. I think that would be amazing. Now, a wildling, yeah, he would be great for that. He would really be great for, um, you know, Daenerys aren't like he can do. He can do all kinds of different really cool things. Um, but yeah, I think him and the Night's Watch and the full, you know, regalia where you're wearing the giant black cloak and everything. I think that'd be pretty badass. I'd oh, be the black cloak, pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a win. Um, all right, let's let's. I want to run some things by you. In the early part of this, when you and I were doing this podcast, you were always, you are always ahead of me because the books mattered because right. the, that was where the information was. And I'm only a show watcher. I'm not a book reader. Sure. Um, but then once it got to a point where the show passed the books, then you and I were basically on level playing field. Although you have <laughs> a much better catalog of the information because of reading the books than I do. Um, yeah, but at this but point, the, it's pretty moot. You know, like, it's yeah, not... I, I think so, too. I'm glad you said that, because that this is the thing that I want to run by you. I have two kind of overarching theories 
about this season uh, that debuts on Sunday. Number one is I think that there, there clearly are two battles, and I believe the first battle is to defeat is the, the battle for the living versus the dead, and then the scraps will take on Cersei. Yeah. Um, and the reason I feel that way is because Cersei's in King's Landing, and everybody else is at the wall. So you can't leave the wall to go fight her. And everybody who's at the wall understands that that's the only battle that matters, right? So yeah. I think that has to be the chronology of this. Do you see any reason that it wouldn't be? No, I think the only the only tweak I would make, it seems like in all the promos that I've seen is that everybody's meeting up at Winterfell, right? Like they've, they've shown the, you know, the promos of them going to the the crypt below Winterfell and, and seeing everything. I think they're going to, I think Winterfell is going to kind of be the central location for the big battle yeah. that they're going to have with the, the White Walkers. But what's cool, what I am really, really stoked about is the idea, because I agree with you, is the idea that the White Walkers are not this end game i think so many people are expecting yeah. there to be like okay last episode john snow puts a you know puts a valerian seal sword through the heart of the knight's king and that's how the show that's ends right. that is not how the show is going to end they're going to do that probably in yeah. episode like three or four or something like that and then there's going to be two episodes of everything just falling apart and i i am there for that dude i if that is what they do if that is the way they decide to go where that cersei's the last thing and then the alliance falls apart and everything just goes haywire that would be the most game of thrones ending they could possibly do and i am totally down for it my i, I don't know if that's what's going to happen i don't know if that's the direction they're going but that is the whole point of george r, r. martin's series he one of his best quotes about uh tolkien right you know lord of the rings and all that is you know he loves the lord of the rings and george r. r martin obviously is you know venerates it and it's it's one of the greatest pieces of fantasy fiction ever written but he also says, like, he was disappointed as a young man. He read it, and he's like, well, what happens next, right? Like, they're just happy forever. Like, everything just is fine forever. The, you know, the, the king reigns, and everything's great. And he's like, no, I mean, there are still conflicts. There are still problems. And so yeah. if Game of Thrones ends with, you know, them defeating the White Walkers and everybody's hunky-dory, I think that'll be a huge disappointment. Luckily, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to see some, some real backstabbing and some crazy things happening. And that is totally in keeping with the tone of the series. So I, I, I am actually really excited for that because it seems yeah, like they're setting right. up the big White Walker battle in the first few episodes. Honestly, it doesn't seem like it's going to be I think something too. they're holding back for. No, I think it, I think it'll be pretty quick, and I think it has to be because let's be honest. Like while while the people who are living in that world, the characters understand that the biggest battle is between life and death. Um, this whole show, while death has been there, it hasn't yeah. been the constant. The constant has been the battle for the throne. That's right. the game that's been the whole show and the whole book right. and all of that. It's been that those allegiances and the way you play the game, that's what's mattered most. So to, to go away from that and just turn it into, you know, humans versus zombies as the, as the end of the show, I, I don't <laughs> see that in any way. The I other agree. thing that I feel pretty strongly about, about this was that when Benioff and Weiss, the guys who were doing the show, the showrunners, mm -hmm. when they pitched this to HBO, there is not a conclusion to the books. So they were then responsible, and we know about them meeting with George R. R. Martin, and before they even got to do it, that he had to bless them, that they knew how it ended and how the good, right. you know, that John was whoever's, you know, Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen's kid and all that. They had to make sure that they knew that and that they had a path for what was going to happen. So then they go to HBO and they tell HBO how this is going to go. Do you, this is, I feel so strongly about this. I've had so many people that say it's going to end with the Night King or it's going to end with Bran on the throne or all of no. this. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is either ending with Jon Snow 
Daenerys or their kid. This is a song of fire and ice. Like the most clear would be Jon Snow at this point because sure. he's the rightful king, because he has come back from the dead, um, and and because of who his parents are. Like he would be the one that it that would be the rightful king at that point, right? Or their offspring. And the reason that I feel so strongly about that is when they say when HBO says, "So how's this end?" and they say, "Oh, zombies are going to win." HBO <laughs> HBO says, "Go to hell." We're not right. investing a billion dollars in some nebulous ending where zombies win and maybe life continues or not. I, th right. this is a television show guys. I really feel strongly that this will have, uh, this will, there will still be conflict because I think 10, 15 years from now, they'd love to do a sequel. Sure. Why not? They could live in the game of Thrones world the next 25 years if they wanted to. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like you're going to have a definitive winner and I, I don't think it's a night King. No, I, well, here's what I think. I think either Jon Snow or Daenerys are going to die. I, I think that's probably Danny, right? Yeah. I, I would say one of the I two think. of them are going to die. I don't know how exactly that might play out, but that to me seems pretty consistent with the show's themes. I also think that, you know, if what I would expect and what I would think would be the most thematically appropriate ending is kind of along the lines of what you said, where you've got Jon Snow sitting on the Iron Throne or whatever's left of it, if there is an Iron Throne anymore. Yeah. Um, and he's just, he's lost. He's got, he's got no, like, not necessarily that he has no direction, but that he's got really, you know, no real friends. He, everything's disjointed. And now he's got to try to put together Westeros and he just doesn't necessarily have the capability to do that. And that would be, yeah. that would be kind of a, a downer ending. Like, yeah, we saved the world, but this is, this is what it gets when you have to try to like, you know, manage all these competing factions and try to, you know, fight for this mythical throne that everybody wants you know that I think that would be a good kind of way to end the series and and show the the futility of of the Game of Thrones and why it's so ridiculous. I mean that in the books that is continually reinforced and uh, Varys actually has a really interesting, um, you know, I guess it's a thought um, exercise that he does in both in the books and I think they do it in the show in one of the earlier seasons uh, where he talks about where power lies, right? Like where is true power lie? Oh, that's he, a great this, speech. Yeah, and he gives this scenario where it's like okay. You've got a uh, a wealthy man and a king and a, a, a sellsword right in between them. And the idea is like, you know, who has the more power in the situation, the sellsword or the king? And the king's promising this guy, uh, or excuse me, the wealthy man or the king. The wealthy man's promising the sellsword all these, you know, riches and whatnot. The king's promising the guy all these titles and whatnot. And and Varys likes the guy with the sword, right? It's and and power is where power, you know, where people believe it lies. And so. Yeah. It would be a cool ending for John Smith to kind of wrap that or John Snow to wrap that into a little bow where it's like, you know, this is a guy who had no power, who was believed to be a bastard. He had all the power by rights. And now that he has the power, what is he actually going to be able to do with it? So that that is a cool way, I think, to wrap it up. I think John Snow kind of ends up on top after all this, but maybe with very little help and support and, and in a world that's going to be really hard to manage in the future. And that would be cool. Yeah. I, I would be cool with that. That would be the kind of ending I would expect out of game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. And it sets up, I think they're doing the, they're already casting and getting going on the prequel. And I think that the, right. then that sets up for a sequel in 10 years, yeah. you know, where you could yeah, do the sequel. And can, yeah. And then maybe, by Oh then, yeah. Look at star know. Wars. Right. Exactly. And yeah. that'll keep you going forever go and forever. You're so, yeah. you are so invested in these families and these houses that that this story this world is so complex that it would be very simple i would think to find people that are passionate where there're plenty who are talented who could 
do a vision for the future. I, I think it sets up nicely for that. And I think the poetic justice of John being on there instead of Danny, who, I mean, Danny actually is a great leader. Like people do like following her. Like right. she's a pretty exactly. solid military commander. Like John's none of that. He's a pathetic military commander. He has, he's the worst battle plan guy in the history of <laughs> battle plans. He is. Yeah. You know, he basically, he basically needed a cheat code to still be alive, you know, to come yep. back from the dead. Cause he's so stupid and who he trusts and how his ego gets in the way. So he's been saved by women constantly. And, yep. and here's Danny who's great at all of that, but she's the one who perishes and is not the rightful queen. So I, I mean, I think it would make the most sense of that, but I just don't, I don't see any scenario where, you know, night King or Bran or any of the rest no. of that. It just doesn't. Here's the other thing. And, and I know, and I know this is going on a little bit, but one thing I want to say real quick, and this is where I have no idea how the show is going to handle it. I want to know where Tyrion fits in all of this. I want to know what yeah. he ends up doing and where his allegiances lie and who he decides. Because honestly, they're showing him having some doubt in Danny last season. I think that was to establish some things this season where he's like, I don't, I mean, is she crazy? Like, what's going on here? Well, and she should have more doubt than him than he has than her. He's yeah. a terrible military commander when they got back to Westeros. His advice right. was terrible. Right. He made mistake after mistake. So I, I am really interested to see what they do with his character because this is an interesting turning point for him. I think he likes Jon Snow more than anybody else on the show, frankly. They had, obviously, at the beginning, they had that very early right. interaction. But when they meet up again, I mean, those guys are bros because these Jon Snow is a bastard, right? He's yep. been treated like crap his entire life. He's been through crap. Tyrion, obviously, has been through horrific things and, and you know, been treated badly because of who he is. I think those guys just have a connection and it'll be really yeah. interesting to see how that's handled on the show because I like, I don't know what Tyrion's going to do. I, I really don't know what his role is to play in these last few episodes. And that he's a wild card. Cause he's, he's, you know, aside from being one of the most popular characters on the show, he's also one of the smartest characters on the show. He makes huge mistakes, yeah. but he, he <clears throat> plays the game. And you know, if the game's still being played, if the game's still afoot, then somebody's going to lose. So yep. yeah, I'm curious Absolutely. about how that's going to end up out. All right. Um, I'm sure we can both agree that Jamie Lannister kills Cersei would be the way that yeah. she ends up. Uh, is it actually ja Jamie or is it Arya in, in Jamie's face? No, nah, I think Jamie's doing it. I, you know, I think Arya's got her got her own role to play. I think she'll she'll probably like team up with uh, her wolf Nymeria, who's still out there. You know, they'll have the giant wolf pack, and I think she'll do some kick ass things. And and maybe get you know maybe she'll participate in the Clegane Bowl, right, where the Hound and the Mountain yeah. get together and, and start fighting. But I think Jamie, I think that's got to be his big, you know, his big scene where he. he kills that's what I think. I think that's going to be yeah. the, the kind of culmination of everything. And that really that, again, closes his arc. Right. Where you start all of this by him pushing a kid out a window yeah. <laughs> because the kid saw him with his sister. So, yeah. I, yeah, that would bring that full circle. I think it'd be kind of cheap to have that as Ari instead of Jamie. I think Jamie's got to do it. All right, we'll get out of here on this one. Blue Jackets play at 7 o'clock on Sunday. It's also the final round of the Masters. Yeah. Uh, Blue Jackets at home in game three. If the game, if it's a 1-1 series and the game goes into <laughs> overtime at 9 o'clock, what do you do? I'm watching Game of Thrones, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love the Jackets, and I've been following them really closely. been to several games this season. Uh, sorry, guys. That's not, that's, that yeah. is not a closeout yeah, game. If you're if you're up three, how about this? If you're up three to o, three three o against the the lightning, against the lightning, mind you, and that's a clincher, and it's it's getting towards it. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll DVR it and we'll wait a few minutes. But in that scenario, screw it. One, nah, nah, we're good. I'm watching. <laughs> we'll see how it turned out afterwards.
after this. We'll see afterwards. Yeah, it's going to be something. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for it. You and I will break down uh, every episode every Monday. Uh, Hell yeah. As, as, as the next six weeks. So I look forward to that, my friend. And that's you the do. Dubcast for this week, folks. We will uh, we will be back here next week for more fun, have a look back at the spring game. And, of course, uh, the Game of Thrones recaps will be, uh, will be going as well, a little bit towards the back half of the podcast for the next Let's six go. weeks or so. All right, buddy. Talk to you next week. Yep. Talk to you next week.